I'm so excited and honored to be introducing the next and final part of our evening. I'm going to welcome Anna Shaumina and Helen Benak up into this. Into the, yes, yes. Okay. These two incredible humans were residents this past May, and I can stand here for hours talking about um, they're, they're multi-hyphenated people, so all the hyphens that come with their names and just how incredibly um, powerful their presence has been in my life. They're also two of the most intelligent people I've ever had the honor of being around and have learned so much. And Helen is also uh, a producer. Um, tonight would not have been possible without Helen. And we're so um, grateful for... Yes. Helen is an artist and a healer <laughs> and a producer. And Anna Shamina is an artist, a filmmaker, and the host of Five and Nine. Season four of Five and Nine, Five and Nine is a podcast <laughs> about work, uh, economic justice, and magic. And season four was recorded in the Wadi Ram Desert uh, during the residency. You can listen to it in these mo at this moment on all podcast platforms um, to kind of sonically experience the residency and some of the conversations um, that took place. With that, we are so lucky to be recording an episode today. This is a live podcast recording. So please join me in welcoming Anna Shalmina and Helen Benak. Thank you. Thank you so much, Noor, for the kind words. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Um, this has been a really special moment uh, because we've been working really hard with Noor and Britt on season four, five, and nine, um, uh, with many many folks that you've met here. Um, Adele is uh, in a recent episode. Uh, we have Helen, um, who's uh, we're also also in an episode. And we'll be following up with. And so, what we're doing today is we're going to have a conversation. Um, uh, we're going to follow up, actually, from a podcast episode um, that where Helen and I had a conversation in the desert uh, on a swing mm -hmm. and uh, looking out over um, um, a very different landscape um, than than what we see in Bushwick. <laughs> um, but either way, uh, it's uh, we're going to be talking about this, and this will be um, recorded and kind of put online as like a bonus episode for season four. Um, we will have a live tarot reading. Um, how many how many people are familiar with tarot? Oh, okay, great. Okay, nice. So um, we will be showing the cards. Um, the deck we're using today is called the mixed uh, mixed signals deck. Um, you can see it here. It's uh, illustrated by um, artist M. Eifler, and it's uh, been working with them uh, to bring this deck to life. Um, and we hope to make it available soon. Um, but for now. This is the only deck that exists um, uh, in the world. Uh, um, and so we'll be using that um, and referencing that. Um, so um, without further ado, um, I think um, just the little preface I'll give about tarot is uh, I think we often think of it as a tool for seeing the future. Uh, but I prefer to think of it as a tool for thinking about the present in um, hopefully more effective and clear ways that help us make better decisions about our futures. And so we can, um, we, you know, we all have free will. We all decide how we engage with the world. And so the question is, what are the values that we're going to bring forth um, to shape um, the world that we're bringing into life um, through all of our actions? So we shall start. Okay. 
Um, and, uh, and I think maybe just as a way to start, um, Helen, is, uh, is maybe to reintroduce ourselves um, mm-hmm. for the audience. And um, I want to bring us back Bring us back to Wadi Ram in uh, the residency in May. It was May 2023, mm-hmm. a little over six months ago. And I'm curious, Helen, if you could maybe just introduce yourself, your practice, and um, and then we'll we'll go from there. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Helen. Thanks for being in this space with me. I hope it feels as good for everyone as it does for me. This is always every space I've ever been in created by this group always feels really, really beautiful. Um, I'm Helen. I am a partner, a daughter, a sister, a granddaughter. Um, one of the practices I really loved as part of the residency is that we got an opportunity to introduce ourselves through all of our titles. And it was the first time that I'd publicly used the word healer to describe myself. I also have an artistic practice, and I also support artists in their practice. Um, so that's part of where that producer word comes from. And so many more. I loved our conversation so much in the desert because we really got to talk about how attempting to name these facets of ourselves is both a beautiful practice and also never quite complete. So. I'll leave it at that for this moment. I'm sure there's more if I give myself more time. <laughs> and I love that aspect of all aspects of ourselves that are always evolving. Yeah. Um, there's always new sides of ourselves that I think we discover as um, in different contexts, uh, different ages, uh, different ways of life. Um, and I wonder if you can bring us back to the residency, yeah. uh, the experience. And what was it like for you to be in the desert uh, for, and we were out there for what, um, a little over a week, maybe 10 days or something. Um, What was it like for you to be in that space, to be in Wadi Ram, in the desert, doing your art, developing your practice? It was beautiful is not a strong enough word. Um, And we were discussing earlier that in describing this residency, I constantly use the term life-changing. It It really opened up something, both that freedom to use this term that I hadn't felt comfortable using before, but also just the the environment that was created. It's not only a beautiful environment in the Wadi Rum, as we saw some of the images, but um, the space that was created by one of many to, to be in this space where so many creatives were, but also so egoless. There were these moments where we were like literally passing materials back and forth, like, ooh, I have the right pen for you. And like uh, Azad was creating a kite and was like, do you want to help decorate the kite tails? It was so collaborative and and just really freeing. Um, and I remember coming back and describing it to someone and they're like, you sound like you just went to summer camp. I was like, yes, <laughs> I did. It was both like warm and beautiful, and I got to play and lose a sense of time and definitely a sense of um, like demand and productivity that there was just this freedom to just be in this space together and see what came out of it. I love that. It's like summer camp with the kids you actually want to hang out with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And when we talked in the podcast last time, you you mentioned um, that you were really sitting with and owning the experience of being a healer. 
What did that mean for you then? And how, what is, how has it been? It's been six over six months now. Mm-hmm. What has it been like for you to be sitting in that space um, in the city, yeah. in your daily life yeah. versus out in the desert? It's funny because when the, when the podcast came out, I actually had an immediate sense of imposter syndrome. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I used this title, but now it's in a podcast and now it's going to go <laughs> everywhere. Um, and I, my first, it was that like ego monkey brain, right? That was like, well, are you healing anyone right now? Are you taking class? Like, what are you doing to prove that you are this thing that you know that you are? And I do feel like often some of that too is a New York mentality of like the hustle and prove yourself and like, sure, you can give yourself this title, but are people going to know? Like, what can you show? Where's your resume? Where's your CV to prove that you are this thing? Um, and once I moved through that imposter syndrome, which also was conversations with Noor and other people of just, it is not something that I have to prove. It is just something I am. Yeah, yeah. And I know that also. It became a running joke in the residency of time, how long it takes for Helen to cry. Um, and so, and somehow yet I am still not prepared with tissues in this moment. Um, <laughs> But I, another beautiful moment has been to realize that, like, uh, my clearest, uh, like, bell ringing from my intuition that something is true for me is when tears come to my eyes. So bear with me as this will probably not be the only time that I cry on stage. <laughs> um, but moving through that to realize that is, it is some, not just something I embody, but it is something that I embody. And if there's ever that moment that I'm like, am I enough of one? that I know it in these moments that I, it can be as simple as a conversation. Every time I am in a conversation with someone and they go, oh man, I haven't been able to say this to someone, or it feels so good to talk to you. It is as simple as that. And, and it can be much greater than that, right? That your healing practice is as individual as you are in the same way that I think of often in creative spaces, I know so many creative people that don't feel like they can call themselves artists or creatives or any Mm -hmm. of that for the same reason that I had these barriers to Mm -hmm. calling myself a healer. Like, am I actively producing a piece of artwork right now that's going to go out into public? Ooh, then I can't call myself an artist. Mm -hmm. And it isn't. It's just something you are. And I also believe that we all have the capacity for all of these things, all of these multi-hyphenated titles in that, like, You can be a creative in how you create relationships, just in how you show up in the day. It is not about these products to define ourselves and to justify ourselves. Um, That's just the systems talking. (laughs) Don't listen to those. You know, what you're saying reminds me so much of like, it's like, why do we feel this, all this pressure to have this single focus? Mm Right? Who does that serve? Who does that benefit? Right. When we only doing this one thing in life, we stay in our lane yeah. rather than explore kind of the full facets of our humanity. Right? That kind of nice notion of multi-hyphenation that you bring up. And, and especially I really love the way you're talking about healing as, as something that you can just do mm-hmm. when you're listening to someone. You're sitting with someone. You're being with someone. And I'm curious how much of the audience can relate to this. How many of you in the past um, few months 
have had to hold space for someone going through a difficult time. Yeah. Or how many of you have been going through a difficult time and someone was holding space for you? Yeah, I'm seeing lots of hands. And it's almost like we're all being called, I think, now to hold healing space. Mm-hmm. Um, the past few years, past few months have been so tremendously difficult that um, if we're not engaged in healing, it's almost like we're we're moving with our eyes shut. Mm. We're not seeing the world. We're not seeing what people are living with. Mm. Um, and so I love that you bring that out, that this is something that we can all do. Um, and before we move to the tarot practice, I'm curious if there's if there's a practice that you find really useful um, for holding space for people mm-hmm. um, when someone is expressing difficulty or um, saying that they've had a, you know, they're having a rough time, what does that look like for you to hold space? The first step for me is just being fully present, not just. That's a harder thing than we have words often <laughs> to express. Um, and that the two steps before that are, am, am I rested and energized and fed and nourished and all of these things enough to do that in the first place. Um, And when I find I'm not of service is when I'm going into these things without a conversation around like, do I have the capacity to hold space to do so? And like that full agreement from both parties, right? Of course I want to be available to the people I love and and anyone who needs help, but if I am not fully charged and able to hold that space, then I might do more of a disservice than if I just am clear that I don't have space for that. Um, And then once I can acknowledge that I do, if I'm fully charged to do so, then I've just, I've found that some of the most powerful things can just be being fully present with someone, whether that's physically in the same space or not, right? Like, am I on the phone but scrolling Instagram at the same time? That's not present. Am I, like, fully there, icon, like, fully present in my body so that I can be present for you? Then miracles can happen. Yeah, that's so beautiful. This idea that you have to be, your cup needs to be full first before yeah. you can really share. Yeah. And I think of that as a difference between holding space and holding pain. Mm. We often want to hold people's pain and assuage it and try to tamp it down. Mm. But what you're talking about is how do you hold space? Yeah. Make space for people to just be fully in themselves in their present in their body. Yeah. Because you have that grounding as well. Yeah. And I I love how you put that too because I believe I, I held pain for a long time in both not even knowing what I was doing. It took uh, a reading with an intuitive who was like, you're in your body really well for an empath. I'm like, oh, what now? Uh, I don't don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. To realize that there's a lot of things that we do, I think even subconsciously without realizing it. And that I wasn't being of service because I was like, well, I... I'm in as much pain as you are. I'm holding this pain for you, but like that's not processing it. That's not sending it anywhere. That's just you and I being in pain together. Right. Right. Seems like a great transition point for um, the tarot practice. And I think, and I'm feeling called, I think, for us to do a reading for the community here. Yeah. Um, And maybe 
Well, it's kind of coming to me as, as I feel like there's a conversation we can have with the tarot about um, just some wisdom that can be shared around how we hold and care for each other in these times right now yeah. um, and what that can look like. Um, how does that sound to you? That sounds great. So maybe um, what I'll invite you to do is to shuffle the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and in any way you'd like. It can be like, like poker or it could be like yeah. uh, just cutting it. And, um, and as you shuffle, um, I'm actually, because you just invoked this image of the bell, um, every time um, as you shuffle, I'm going to start just clearing the air a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, um, just to transition us into the tarot reading. And I just invite, invite you to think about, and actually invite everybody to just think about those times, especially one time when you've had to hold someone in, um, through a really challenging time, especially in the past month or two. Um, and we'll invite that energy into the cards. When we were recording the podcast live in the desert, I would I would grab the mic and put it to the. Um, <laughs> right to the the cards and we would get like nice little um, uh, audio for that it's like almost it was almost like ASMR for for, uh, for tarot shouts out to my dad for teaching me how to shuffle cards <laughs> great so what we're going to do is I think um, I think what we can I think what's speaking to me is is maybe just a simple past present future spread mm-hmm. Three cards. Um, one that represents the type of person we were and before, maybe someone who might have been wanting to hold pain. Um, two is the present, the type of person we are becoming, uh, the person we're discovering. And this, again, is a collective, so it may or may not resonate. Um, but take what works and leave the rest. And then uh, the future, meaning um, who are we becoming? How are we evolving? Mm. And. Yeah, we'll just invite you to draw three cards, and um, and I think um, I think Britt will be actually pulling up the cards as we call them. So yeah, the past, the present, and the future. Great. Okay, so we'll turn them over, and um, and as you turn them over, I'll just I'll just ring the bell to just invite in the energy of that card. Um, so yeah, if you want to draw the past card first. Past card is the Five of Cups. So we're going to pull the present card. Present is the Seven of Cups. Another, another Cups card, actually. There you go. Pulling it up. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. And let's leave the future, actually. Mm-hmm. Let's look at these two first. Mm-hmm. So we have the Five of Cups. Um, if we could pull that one up as the past. Six. And then the Seven of Cups. So just look at, look at that card for a second. Um, this breaking um, this cards. Um, uh, cups represent uh, water, the heart. Um, the seat of emotions, feelings, passions. And what that brings up for me um, when I look at this past position um, is almost exactly what you just described. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Five of Cups, it often represents those deep in grief. Holding pain. 
their cups that you think are full are shattered. And it still hurts. It's still there. Um, and it feels like, to me, what this brings up for me is, uh, is really this kind of collective sense that so many of us have had to sit with heartbreak and a broken heart. Um, and to feel that pain, to really sit with it, is what we've been called to do over the past few months, few years. That's what I see when I see this, but I'm curious what this brings up for you. Yes, everything you said and just the fact that the visual is this broken cup yeah. is just feels like it could not be more perfect. Like this attempt in the past, again, I'm hoping that I'm speaking for the community on this one of like attempting to hold this space that you know you don't have the capacity for. I knew I didn't have the capacity for it, and that leads to a breaking, but there's possibility for like mending in the breaking, right? That we can move past that. And I also think of, there was this moment in Wadi Rum where Nori, you were holding this tea cup and it just shattered out of nowhere. We all had glass cups of tea. They'd all been poured at the same time and it just popped in a way that was like, if that's not some things being like released and hopefully avoided, then I don't know what is. Um, and so just, yeah, the gesture in this card really feels like that for me of just, sometimes we get to a breaking point, but there's freedom in the breaking. There's so much information in that to know that this is it. This is that capacity. This is that line. And maybe it had to, you had to break to get there, but that we can then move forward from that, right? Maybe we move to a metal cup instead of a glass one, you know, like things like that. That's yeah. a great segue <laughs> to the Seven of Cups. If you could pull up that image. Because yeah. all the cups are different now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the Seven of Cups, I always think of this as that it comes after, you know, Tara was in sequences, right? Mm -hmm. And so after that moment of heartbreak, mm -hmm. five and then six and then seven, and what comes with seven is different types of cups. Mm -hmm. And what this always brings up for me um, so when I'm thinking about this present moment is, is this recognition and I think this is a message for everybody really is recognition that we each have a different thing that we bring to different people at different times sometimes what we're being called to is to um, simply hold space sometimes what we're being called to is to take someone out um, have, a, have a drink, have a glass of wine just like commiserate a little bit sometimes it's to you know Go on a road trip, right? Mm. The acts of healing, the tools of healing are so varied. Um, just like what you're talking about, they are multi-hyphenate, that actually every practice, whether it's creative, productive, or like explicitly healing arts, um, has within it the capacity to shape and transform the emotions and our sense of purpose in this world. Mm. And that's what that brings up for me. That's what I see when I see the Seven of Cups, is moving from that kind of those generic cups of things breaking into specificity. Mm -hmm. What are the gifts that each of us have to bring to this world, to this moment? And to name that, to recognize that. And I think in this present moment, each of us um, who've had the old space, you're all recognizing something in you that you have to offer this world. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what I see when I see the seven, and I'm curious what that yeah. brings up for you. Yeah, abs- again, everything you said, as well as when I look at the design of this card as well, I think of um, like Venetian glass, where it's this blended, like, like I'm not a glass blower, but as far as I understand, it's like these canes of color, right, that are then fused and, and twisted and blown to create this really beautiful object. And I think of, too, this multi-hyphenated conversation, right, that we, we are not just one thing, we are not one color of glass. Most of us have all of these things that are blended and formed and fused to create these beautiful, complicated beings that we are. And, and that, yes, our, our capacity as in the shapes of the cup, you know, are meant to hold different things and we can hold different things for each other. Um, yeah. It's, I love these cards. <laughs> yeah. That's so beautiful. We hold these things for each other. Yeah. We create containers. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Every, any wine snob will tell you, you do not put right. the red wine into that, you know, the, the jagged yes. cup, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't you don't put the you know you don't put the wrong drink into the wrong glass, mm-hmm. and we don't offer the wrong we you know we offer the right thing the right container mm-hmm. for what that person needs in this moment. Yeah. Let's look at the future card. Are we ready for the future card? Yeah. Hmm. Right. It's beautiful. Eight of Wands. The wands are the suit of fire, um, suit of life, chi, energy. Moving from that space of water energy of emotions into the element of the spirit, of what motivates us, what moves us. And when I see the eight of wands, um, especially in this deck, um, with the fire emerging, it feels like there's a message for everybody right now. there's a message to move into your fire. Mm-hmm. Move into what you're being called to, the passion, uh, the spirit, the chi that you feel flowing through you um, during those moments when you're holding people. You're being called to something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're being called to something different. Um, this moment that we're in in history is asking us to wake up, mm. to let that fire burn, and not consume us, but to fuel us. Yeah. And that's what I see with the Eight of Wands. Yeah. Um, that, that fire moving forth yeah. um, into this new purpose and passion. Yeah. This, I'd, I love that we were talking about, blow, or I was talking about blowing glass before this, yeah. and then we see the fire, right? Like these yeah. these states of creation. And I love the wood visual in there because I'm thinking that we're in with the year of the wood dragon. Yes. And that also I, I took a, a course on the elements and how they um, can go towards the creative process. And I remember that fire was that first one, the spark of creativity, right? This is, we use that phrase and that, it also corresponds with the five elements that that tends to be our first step, right? Or, or we have these phrases too, like light a fire under somebody, that kind of thing. And that 
fire so often can be thought of as destructive, but there's creation in it as well. Even in our, our natural environmental cycles, things need to burn to decompose in certain ways to spark life in new ways. And so I, I feel such a sense of relief when we flipped over this card that it's to think of this stage as a, or our future stage as a creation stage in that there's so many better things that we can create out of this or not better. I don't like the good, bad binary. There's systems that we can create that can work better for us. And I believe that we're in this awakening stage of realizing the ones that where we really have been in these past three years of realizing that we're four now, 2024, of these stages that don't work for us. And there is always an opportunity to create new ones, but what better opportunity than right now in this moment? So this game, this card gave me a lot of hope. I yes. felt a lot of like joy and hope in flipping this card over. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you for that. And just, just in the way you've spoken, you've filled space for me. Yeah, created a healing space for me because I, man, I've been going through it. Yeah, I've been going through it. Yeah. And you know, when I think about the this intersection, the five of cups, the seven of cups, eight of wands, is is to get to the stage of this fire to be there. You have to let the heart break. Mm. You, yeah, you have to let it shatter, um, because things weren't working before. Mm-hmm. They weren't working, and 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 it's through that shattering that we really come to terms, and we don't look away. Yeah, um, we sit with that reality um, of these broken systems. Yeah, and it's such a powerful invitation. Yeah. And I'm feeling called to one more card, and mm. I'd love for you to cl- interpret it and close it. Oh, okay. Because in tarot, it's it's um, I, I, when you know filmmaker Hodorowski says when you shuffle the cards, you're taking a snapshot mm. of the universe at the moment. And at the bottom of the deck is the foundation mm. of this moment, and I call it the bonus card. Uh, it's a card neither you nor I draw. Yeah. Has no meaning in the spread, but just it's just a little a little send off, mm. little send off for everybody. And shall we take a look? Yeah. So it's right at the bottom. I invite you to take it. Let's see what it says. Mm. Maker of swords. Mm. Maker of swords, beautiful. The swords, the suit of air, the mm. suit of the mind. Like the mind, air moves and flows in mysterious ways. Sometimes. Our thoughts are wonderful. Sometimes they're not, right? and just like just like air and wind, they just kind of flow the way they do. And the maker here is is like the equivalent of the queen of swords. Yeah, uh, someone who sits. Yeah. I was just gonna say one of the thing I'm hopefully very high on the list of whenever this deck comes out because I love it so much. <laughs> Let me know when the wait list is open. But one of the things I love when you first showed it to me is both removing of gendering but also of some of this uh, hierarchy, right? And so this ability to reinterpret queen into maker, and I feel like it's just right in line with what we were saying with being in this creation stage, right? The, the maker of swords, both... Uh, a creator of tools that can be used for violence and destruction, but also maybe something else. Maybe we can choose something else in this. And when I look at the visual of this, you know, both 
I mean, perfectly in line for me with the water practice. I see water and air and also this question of where one ends and one begins. And also the white shapes in here really make me think of, of doves of peace um, in these really abstracted forms. And also just that the visual of the card unto itself, right, is these deconstructed things fused into this beautiful hole that maybe sometimes it's pinning and sometimes things are hanging off, but it's still a beautiful hole unto itself. Um, so I see, I see hope again in, in what we can create, in what intentional people making a choice can create. Helen, thank you. Thank you so much for this beautiful interpretation for this reading. Thank you to everyone for joining us. And we wish all of you um, a healing path forward in the way that makes sense to you, in the way that you bring your specific gifts into this world. Let that fire burn. And let the world that you are making come into being. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.